cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Jackson. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 32. NASDAQ Futures up 167. Dow Futures up 129. We're trying to reverse yesterday's uh, sell-off. Uh, we have earnings last night. We had sort of interesting. We had Google Alphabet and Microsoft both miss pretty much around the clock, yet both of their chairmen came out and said how great things are going to be going forward and both stocks are up. So uh, I guess you get to push stock just like in the in the 20s. The banks used to pump and dump. I don't know if they're selling this morning. They're probably not. But uh, it's a wonderful world we're in, Kevin. Everything's okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think these um, when the CEOs make statements, they should release it with that... Uh, uh, that little clip from Animal House of Stephen First going, this is going to be great! Oh, yeah. I, uh, the weird part that is, is if any, any small firm ever said that about their place, and all of a sudden, six months later, they were in trouble, I mean, the guys would be like... Anyway, just sort of the way the world is. But here's a... We were talking yesterday with uh, um, Hal about, and, and Kenny, really, about the uh, definitions of recessions today, and here's a... Uh, Jeff Cox writes this article, and we've we've quoted a lot of stuff from Jeff. Uh, he writes writes good stuff, and uh, he, here's his key points on recession. He goes, most people think two consecutive negative GDP quarters constitute a recession, but that's not the case. The National Bureau of Economic Research is the official arbiter of recessions, has to be an arbiter of recessions, and uses multiple other factors in making its determination. Now, Dean Baker, co-founder of the Center for Economic and Policy Research said the NBER would be laughing stocks if they said we had a recession we are creating 400,000 jobs a month. Of course, if you look at the household survey, we actually lost jobs last month, but let's not go into that. But now all of a sudden, it's the jobs. It's, it's whatever good piece you can pick out, and there, that's where you are, Kevin. Uh, just saying. Well, I, I, I have a feeling that they're going to be pretty, um, that those words are going to look pretty silly in a few months. Yeah, you get the feeling, well, how many people at Snap say they're going to lay off? Oh, we're we're seeing it here. We're, I'm seeing layoffs. And, and, uh, and, and you know we've had a, a pretty thriving manufacturing and warehousing economy, and I'm seeing layoffs there. Uh, we saw the uh, Walmart news yesterday um, that they're, they're uh, scaling back inventory, which... By the way, you don't scale back inventory. You need fewer people to manage the inventory, fewer distribution people, and if you're not buying as much, that means you have fewer people making the stuff. So, uh, so we're and and, and I, I'm kind of thinking Walmart's not the only retailer thinking that's uh, that's uh, doing this. So, you know, it's it, we we're not in a good way here. No, we're not. And, uh, at all. You look at the places that are are doing uh, well. Uh, Chipotle price hikes drive profit growth, and the chain says more increases are coming. Um, well, that'll work. What is a uh, Kimberly Clark makes so much though? The baby stuff, diapers and stuff. Well, among other things, toilet paper. Uh, see, now those are the kinds of things they claim that 
price increases save their quarter as well. So, I mean, it, if, if you have pricing well, so, power... You know, any business that has pricing power, either because you need their product, you, you know, almost no matter what it costs, or, uh, or as uh, Chipotle said in, in their release, uh, we have a higher-end uh, clientele than uh, most... You know, I, I'd, put, I'd say fast food restaurant. I'd put it in that category of uh, fast food. And uh, and so they have a higher-end clientele, much like, you know, Panera would or somebody like that. Um, yeah, they, they have the power to raise prices at least, you know, for a little bit longer than some of the other places. But, you know, how high is McDonald's going to go? Are people going to drive through McDonald's uh, for 12 bucks a meal? I well, don't think so. Well, the question that comes down and... And you know you were in, uh, you showed up enough economics classes to know that it all comes down to a very simple formula. If you raise your prices ten percent, um, are you going to lose ten percent of the people? And if the answer is no, uh, then it's a good price rise, right? Price increase. Keep probably going to lay off a yeah. Person. Yes, it is to a point. To a point. But market share is important too. Um, but what is, I mean, I guess I'll have to ask. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this, but the competitors to Chipotle, you know, the um, smaller places, how many of them are gone? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I guess it's area by area, huh? I mean, it, well, yeah, it, it does depend because if you're, if you're talking about the local sandwich shop, um, you know, if, if, if you're talking about, you know the local Mexican place that uh, that has carry out because Chipotle is theoretically Mexican. It's it's American Mexican, but yeah. it's, you know they serve burritos. Um, and uh, if if you're talking about the local Mexican place, well, it sort of depends on where you live because if you live by me, there's tons of local Mexican places, and they're really good and they're really authentic because we have a large Mexican population in the area. And as a result, we, you know, it's, it's great. You know, we get great food, but and, and and they're not gone because that's you know that's where the locals go. But if you're talking about um, you know in in suburbia, you're probably saying yeah, there is not really any competition for them, so you know have, they can have at it. Well, the difference, one of the one of the issues, and again, this is this is all local in, in my, one man's opinion. The uh, one of the things that drives this stuff in Chicago is all the Chipotle, Chipotle places are in a strip mall, pretty much, and they all have parking or they all have a drive-through, which makes a huge difference, especially during the COVID. But I mean, I I love going to a, there's a little Italian place on the near north side here called uh, Club Lago, and uh, the people that run the place they're spectacular, and uh, you know when I'm driving home if I want to stop for a quick sandwich and you know a glass of wine or something. I I I balk just just on principle, Kevin. I balk at paying the ten bucks to park in front of the place. I think it's egregious for an hour and a half or an hour on the city street. Yeah, I you understand know. that. Yep. Now, if they had a parking lot, and, and I mean, I'd, I'd be in. Well, and, and and here's the thing: is even if they, you know, they have a very reasonable, uh, uh, very reasonable uh, priced meal, and it's a good place to go. It's a now, I don't know if it's a good place for a couple to go, for a uh, family to go, or whatever. So if it was the good night out, but now you're going to pile that ten bucks on there, um, and and you're going to raise the price, and 
now you're starting to say, are people really going to go there? This is a this you know, is becoming is this a where, is this yeah. where people are going to say, okay, I need to cut back, and this is gone. Well, a couple glasses of wine and a sandwich, and uh, parking, and a nice tip. That starts approaching sixty-five hours. That's a lot. Okay, so yes, it's a lot. So it, maybe you went out to dinner and uh, and and spent that much uh, once a week, twice a month, whatever it is. Now maybe it's going to be once a month, and then uh, after a while, we keep getting squeezed, and it's going to be not at all. Well, you know, what, you see different portions of people that used to s- stop in. I mean, the younger couples at the Tripoli. Uh, before they put the parking in the street, you'd see eh, three, four a night. A couple come in, sit at the bar. They'd have their, their first drink at the Tripoli, maybe watch a little of the game. Then they'd go to dinner wherever they were going to dinner. Because, I mean, Tripoli is decent food, but not, not everybody wants to eat bar food every night. And uh, you don't see that at all. Because to, to park now, it's a, not only does it cost you five bucks, you got to take out your app or walk down the street with your credit card. It's just a pain in the ass. You know, and, and, and it just keeps going up. Up, up, and it's one of the major reasons I think why the downtown area is so disgusting. You can't you can't even come down here for a minute without getting fleeced before you walk into place. Yeah, and, I, and for some reason, That's, that, but th- this is exactly what was in the um, in the Walmart release. As they said, now they're you know they're, they're they're people are focusing on buying necessities, and if it's not a necessity, they aren't buying or they're buying less. And so you know, I'm, I'm sure Walmart is not reducing its inventory of groceries because it's I'm going to have to ask uh, Carl where he that, got... That's going to cascade through uh, everything else that we do. Well, I'm going to have to ask Carl where he got the uh, number, because Carl manages to dig numbers up that nobody else can find. Uh, was it the retail sales was last Friday? And he uh, increased from last time or last year, year over year, was, was like $50, $50 billion or some some incredible number in gasoline. Because if you, if you pull that out of there, it was the, the number was horrible. So, I mean, Why is gasoline in retail sales anyway? Uh, it always is. Yeah, I know it always is. Is it really? Is that really retail shopping, or is that? Well, it's not wholesale. Is is it retail sales there to indicate what people are buying in retail stores? No, I mean, I, I, I would, I'm thinking about it. Unless you're counting the uh, um, the the bananas and slushies that people buy. Um, I think it, it includes, uh, you know, advanced auto parts. I think it might even include cars. Well, well, that's a that's a uh, project. I'll dig it up. I'm sure I can dig up retail sales for Friday. It's a project. Give me something to do. I'll on that. Do it. Do yeah. it. I'll be listening. You'll be on. Well, I'll be on, but I'll, I'll <laughs> let you discuss it with Carl. That's going to be better than anything I have to offer. But the uh, so here brings up the question. Eliani can opine in on this. Hmm. How high would the price of TP have to go before you said nah? I would never say nah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a, it's, it could be up there in the never. Yeah. Yeah, so so now we're talking pricing power. <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay. That one's going to have, that one's going to be able to price it. And uh, 
so you know they'll recover all of their costs. Uh, you know they they won't have a problem with it. But not every business is in that position. Mm. No, and uh, there are there are a few. Once, you, once you're discretionary, you're not doing you're not recovering all the increased costs that we have. Well, you actually have people. I mean, I, I was, <laughs> it's a lot of people. I'm not one of them. Uh, a because I don't have the technology, but you see people adding up the stuff as they put it in their cart. I think when they get to a certain number, they just stop. So if the if the TP's more, if the Kleenex is more, and or they start putting it back, or, or they yeah. start putting it back on a shelf, but not necessarily the shelf. Not yet, necessarily the same shelf. But speaking of which, God, what a disgusting story! I I pounded a Myers from Sunday morning. It's like six thirty, of course, and there's the two ladies are always there when I walk in. All of a sudden, the place is in a total fast market. I was there for a four term, and everybody's like, "Oh man!" And of course, guys, you know, don't don't smell as what as. Your sniffer's not as good as the ladies, but they're like, something's around here. What's around here? And I'm going, well, finally, when I got up close to them, I'm going, yeah, I've got some stinks around here. Somebody must have thought they had too much in their cart, and there was there's a thing next to the cashier that looks like it's a cooler, you know, the same kind of front, but it's not. So somebody stuck their chicken in there like the night before. Shut up. Oh, it was bad. Uh. Yeah. But they, in their defense, I think they thought it was a cooler. But still, you could have walked your fanny back and put it back where you got it. Or just put it on the counter for yeah. someone to see. Well, yeah, but they didn't want to, for whatever reason. I, we're, we're giving them the best, the best, and say they thought it was the cooler. <laughs> I hope they did. They just stick it somewhere. No one gets me sticking the next morning. But anyway, the ladies were not happy. Well, also on point for this is just go put it back where you oh, got it. Oh, I know. Yeah, oh, wait, no, way too no much kidding, effort, man. Way too no, much effort. No, no, don't be a jackass. It's a level of like laziness and inconsiderateness well, that I just like. It just makes me so angry. <laughs> well, how many people have a health club membership and yet will fight you for the spot right near the door at the grocery store? Well, yeah, but people are just—I don't know. People are just so—they're so dumb. People are dumb. <laughs> well, what, what do you, the female George Carlin? What do you say? Just imagine how dumb the average person is, and half people are dumber than ever. So. <laughs> All I, all I will say is that like, it makes it makes it easier for people like me to succeed in life when people are just that lazy and that dumb. It well, makes it so I, easy for me to do well. So I'm grateful to these dumb people. Well, I, I think it's more it's more lazy than than I don't think it, I honestly don't think there's a there's a there's a th- there's a uh, just so dumb human so being inconsiderate inconsiderate and lazy. But there oh no there's plenty yeah, of dumb people inconsiderate and, and lazy <laughs> or rude and lazy whatever you want to call it but. Um, entitled. You know, it, <laughs> entitled is really a part to get. Entitled is Ugh. another good word for it. Yeah, there's 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 good stuff here. <laughs> Speaking of uh, entitled, you hear the latest on our, our our fine mayor. She absolutely went went, went, went to a hissy fit, and the alderman trying to raise the the red light cameras or the speed cameras near the parks from six miles an hour. Evidently, they're getting how many thousand tickets are they, are they doing a month? Oh, yeah, please look this up. I think it's how many? It's it's, in, it's like ten twenty thousand a month they're giving out. It's a massive number. And it's a, I think it's like a $35, $40 fine or more. Well, it turns out her own cars, her two who, two limousines that drive her ass around, they've had like a bunch of tickets and they haven't paid them. One, there's actually a warrant out for one of her, her official city cars to be impounded because she hasn't paid any of the tickets. So according to IllinoisPolicy.org, revenue projections estimate that red light cameras in Chicago generate about... million dollars a year and that one ticket is issued every 12 seconds that's a lot yeah that's a lot that's a that's a lot a lot but once once these guys see a revenue stream they don't care what it is it could be 
for killing people. Oh, what, what are we going to do to replace the revenue? Stop spending or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, and, and so, you know, you, you call it a fine or is it a tax? It's a tax. And, and it's a tax. I had a uh, cab driver, back when you could find a cab, the guy gave me a long, some long story. He says I was one of the few guys who was able to beat, like, the city, how did he call it? Uh, evidently, according to this guy, every cab got a ticket, like, once a month, like, for, like, stopping on Michigan Avenue or someplace. Even if he didn't do anything, you just get a ticket. Now, you know, and, and I, he says, I said, well, how did you beat it? He goes, well, nobody, nobody takes it to court, nobody beats it because they know it's just part of the deal. He said, but I had a, I had a, uh, a huge excuse that I knew I could, I could prove, even though the judge was not happy with me. I said, what was it? He goes, a cab had some mechanical problem. It was, it was at the mechanics the entire weekend. So I could prove that from Friday to Sunday. Like, oh, Tom, I read it wrong. Yeah, it's, it's way more than that. Yeah, so I was looking here. So um, I'm looking at this article by Patrick Adrison. It's a, he's a criminal justice um, blogger. And he wrote here that, let's see, rev, uh, revenue projections estimate red light cameras will generate $2.7 million, $35 tickets in yeah, a full yeah, year. Yeah. So that brings the total to about $100 million a year. That's what I thought, what I, thought I read, $100 million bucks. For it's the city, enough. yeah. It's massive money. So it's yeah, it's two point seven individual thirty-five dollar tickets that generate up to almost a hundred million dollars a year. It's a uh, it's unconscionable, and, and you know it's going right to the same same people that are buying the lotto's. You know the spin lotto's. It's going right to the people who we 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 absolutely can't. Where does that money go? <laughs> it just they 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 spend it on anything, anything they want to. It's oh. anyway. I mean, it could, you know, it could be schools, probably not. It could be you know whatever. Yeah, but that sh- that sh- that that should be visible to the public what that what that money is going to. It, it, it should be, and yet they probably just bury it, uh, bury it in the general operating budget. So yeah. there's really no uh, line item accountability for it. You Jesus. you can find if you want to dig. There's there's several budgets. There's a general operating budget. There's a capital budget. There's all kinds of different stuff, right, Kevin? And, and where they move all this stuff around is like you got to be like Harry Houdini to find it. That's so 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 bogus. Well, yeah. <laughs> We should be able to see where that money is going well, to. Well, and plus, because that is a hell of a lot of revenue. You know, if they if they want to give out tickets for going over 100 miles an hour on an expressway, I'm all for it. Sure, they, they don't want any part of that. This yeah. is this is just a tax on people. That's all it is. So stupid. It's all revenue. And uh, yeah. anyway, it's it's the well, like the the red light cameras. Uh, They're so dangerous in the winter time too. Like the amount of accidents that have occurred since those red light cameras because people have to slam on their brakes. Yep. At the lights and then they slide because. There's no traction because there's, yeah. there's, you know, the roads are covered in ice, and then they get in an accident, and then they also get ticketed. <laughs> well, nor- normally, anything you, you would do to slow these creatures down, it's, I mean, it's it's in the morning. Well, you drive in the same way I do. In the morning, it's coming into Hubbard's Cave in that area, Kevin. If you're doing 65, you're a stagecoach, and the, the limit's 45. Not only is it a congested area to start with, it's a construction area, and, and there isn't. I haven't seen anybody ever. Have you ever seen anybody pull over ever in the morning? I've been doing this for how many years? 15 years. 25. Wouldn't talk about the score with John and me. I've never once seen anybody pull over in the morning. Ever. Hmm. I mean, a, a truck could go through there at 75. Nobody cares. I mean, uh, it's just not it's just not the place for, to go that fast. But anywho. Um, mm. So, Kevin, how, how uh, we, we, you know, we're sort of part of the, uh, sort of part of sometimes, but we're, we're sort of part of the uh, things we've been talking about is, when we're, we're when we're totally in denial of what's happening, how do you fix it? I mean, it, I know it, in an election year, it's pretty hard to be 
you know, truthful and say how bad things are. But uh, in some ways, or the direction we're going. See, I, I honestly think that uh, we have a real opportunity here with all the stuff that, you know, the, the China situation and people start to bring things back in this country. But I, I'd like to see it fixed the old-fashioned way where people can actually go to a bank, can actually get a loan at a decent price. It's almost the same. As not, it's always not going to be the same as Microsoft, but almost the same to where you're not just priced out of everything, everywhere you do, except for three, four people. And I'd like to see ten companies making chips, not four that managed to get onto some bill by a lobbyist in, 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 uh, in Washington. But my, my solutions are so far away from today's world, it's not even, I'm not on the same planet. I don't, I don't know what country I'd have to go to to find people do stuff the way that I think they ought to do it. It's not even close. Well, so what are we going to do? We're not, I mean, it's it's not going to change. Um, I'm I'm with you. Um, you know, I I I'd like to see uh, you know a company, a chip company like Nuvia, uh, which is an interesting company because they make specialty chips for really really high performance computers. It's a and it's a relatively new company, so they don't have a ton of market share, um, but. You know that that's not only would we be manufacturing uh, that in the U.S. and for all I know they do. I, I you know I just know about a little about the company, um, but it, not only would we be manufacturing in the U.S. but we would be taking a technological leapfrog uh, with doing it, and I you know with a, a big competitive advantage to it. Well, and this, I mean, you know more about the banking industry than I do. Than I do. If somebody actually has, I mean, I think you could certainly do it. Through the, through the market, uh, but if somebody has a, a serious plant over in Taiwan and makes this kinds of stuff, and says I want to I want to do a place here. Um, what what if any kind of help should anybody give? I mean, do you want to make it okay? You don't want to be have a barrier like we do to some firms in some areas, but I don't think you necessarily have to finance the whole thing anyway because if you get on the chain. You can't do that for everybody. I mean, there is a moral hazard to it, and I don't know where the line is. Well, you can't do it for everybody, and, you know, I, I get the idea that we have government policy, we have strategic industries, and uh, and some level of protection makes sense for them. The problem the, the problem always is, uh, is, is there a return? Is there, you know, a, a return other than uh, saying, well, gee, now we have a chip industry that's manufacturing at home. Ain't that great? Um, you know, I, I, you know, absolutely believe there needs to be uh, something that comes back to the taxpayers. And uh, as I as I used to say when we bailed out the auto industry, I'm looking for my stock certificate. You know, yeah, or for, uh, for the part that I own, or maybe for the um, roof over Soldier Field, a little piece of the bears. To yeah, you know. Um, or, Whatever it is, yeah, but you know, it, it 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 shouldn't be with no strings attached, and yet it seems to be, um, you know, it, at least, you know, at least, at least some performance uh, 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 requirements uh, before you, you know, before you qualify for them. I, I know that's what uh, what Walker did with um, with Foxconn in Wisconsin, and. The uh, current governor uh, uh, Evers uh, did nothing but complain about it and say what a bad deal it was when um, 
when he was campaigning and promised to redo the deal, and he went in and redid the deal, and now Foxconn is doing less than promised and getting more subsidy out of him uh, because there there wasn't as much um, uh, performance. Well, those uh, guys, space. those guys remind me of uh, Elon Musk because Wisconsin dove into this deal like a bunch of buffoons. After Foxconn, I just screwed Pennsylvania, right? <clears throat> then they then they say they were doing a bunch of Pennsylvania, got a lot of stuff for it, and they never did it. Yeah, the the difference is uh, that in in the case of the original deal, they actually did have it was tied to the number of jobs they were creating, and Foxconn wasn't getting anything, um, uh, any kind of subsidies, uh, until uh, other than uh, you know some infrastructure build uh, around Kenosha um, that has been very valuable. There's a lot of other stuff that has popped up around there, um, but Foxconn wasn't getting any of the subsidies until he first changed the deal, and now they now they're actually getting subsidies. Well, didn't uh, I think Caterpillar, one of the places here in Illinois, doesn't the company even get some share of the sales tax or the income tax that the employees are supposed to pay to, go to Illinois? Some crazy deal. I, mean, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. But when you, when you start doing the state-by-state state stuff, I almost, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people on the show are for, uh, especially Hal, is for the, you know, the federalism where states can do whatever they want. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that, Kevin, where you, you buy companies away from another state with a deal better than the people in your place. You know, I did I just think that that's, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where you, what you get for that. I'm all for, like you say, if somebody's going to open up some huge, or even not so huge of a thing somewhere and along the tri-state and their request is, well, you know, we have all these people coming and going here, how about an exit? Well, as long as everybody else can use the exit, I'm all for it. You know, but that's but that's different than giving money just to that place. And if you and I walk in the door ne- the, ne- the next day and say, "Well, we're in the same business. Where's ours?" and they say, "Sorry," I mean, I, you know, that's a little different story. SP Futures up 32. SP Futures up 166. We got the Fed announcement today. All kinds of stuff this week. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. 
We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 33.75, NASDAQ Futures up 164, Dow Futures up 126. We got a nice pop out of uh, Microsoft, which is up uh, 821. It was up like 990 when we came in, so it's leaking a little, but still up strong. And we have uh, Google, Alphabet up 384 to 109.28. So I'm pretty much all green on the board here this morning after kind of an all red day yesterday, just, just the review of yesterday. Uh, Dow was down 228, S&P down 45, NASDAQ down 220. I was looking at a chart, and then, you know, don't take my word on this so much because I'm not much of a chart guy, but, boy, if you look at these, uh, the, the, the chart in the QQQ uh, from last year, I mean, it is, it is stone-cold ugly. I mean, that doesn't mean we won't bounce up from here, which maybe we will, but starting in, like, January, it's just down and up again, then down further, then up again, then down further, then up again, then down further. Same thing, if, th- if this rally of last week fails it's like yet another top that's below the top from the one in uh, in may where we fell, fell off from that one i mean one of these days we're gonna have to keep going to the upside or people are gonna look at this and say this is pretty bad looking just saying uh again f- taken from a non-chartist uh renasia nikkei up 60.2 percent shanghai down one call that flat here we go with hang Seng down 235 today it's 1.1 percent again very violent between 20,000 and 21,000. Uh, but it's corded directionless, can't break out either way. Over here, we got the DAX up 23.2%, FTSE up 37.5%, CAC around up 152 as Russia is cutting back on the gas even more, at least that's the threat. Uh, bonds up 1 basis point, 2.80. Bullion's still under 1%, even though it's up 3 basis points to 0.96. Japan down to 0.20 after being 0.25 or 4 for like a real long time. Uh, oil up 94 cents, but still 95, 92. Way below 100. Rent up 83 cents, 105.23. Natural gas up 11 cents, 910. It's had this massive move this week with uh, Russia cutting back on the, on the pipeline another 20% or whatever it was. But this was like six something last week. This is, I mean, I've never seen it move like that natural gas except for like a war. Our Bob up 3 cents, 339. We've got gold 
up 210, 17, 19. No matter what happens in the world, bad. Still doesn't seem like anybody wants any gold. Silver up 20 cents, 18.74. Copper up 2 cents, 3.40. And we've got Bitcoin up 419 to 21,321. So still hanging above the 20,000 uh, seemingly a bad line. So it's hanging above that pretty good. And we have the uh, U.S. dollar versus the euro. Uh, the euro is up 47 basis points, so that makes the dollar is down. But the euro is 1.016 uh, dollars uh, to the dollar, which is still really low. Eliani, what do you got for us? Trevi Weather Sports. Thanks so much, Tom. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.36 a.m. on July 27th. Let's get a recap on last night's games. Cubs beat the Pirates last night 4-2. Sox beat the Rockies last night 2-1 with a rematch today at uh, 2-10. And the Diamondbacks beat the Giants last night 7-3 with another rematch today at 2.40 p.m. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, cloudy day, 70, pretty humid, high of 86, low of 68, with rain expected at 2 o'clock. Uh, looking at weather in Phoenix, uh, there is a flash flood warning that will be in effect until tomorrow. Currently sitting at 86 degrees, mostly cloudy, pretty high humidity, uh, with a high of 96, low of 82. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 and Austin. Traffic northbound on 294, just four miles before the I-90 connector and East Tui. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the Des Plaines Oasis and Lawrence. Traffic uh, westbound on 94 between 59th and North Throop. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and South Damon. And traffic southbound on Lakeshore uh, between Chicago Avenue and East 18th due to the Lollapalooza uh, setup that's that's being prepared for this weekend. Lollapalooza begins this Thursday, July 28th and continues through Sunday, July 31st in Grand Park. Let's talk about the road closures. In preparation, Balboa is closed from Columbus to Lakeshore Drive and will reopen on Thursday, August 4th. Jackson is also closed from Columbus to Lakeshore Drive and will reopen on Wednesday, August 3rd. We can expect additional closures on Balboa from Lakeshore Drive to Michigan Avenue. Balboa from Michigan to Columbus will reopen Monday, August 1st. Jackson from Michigan to Columbus will remain closed until Monday, August 1st. Columbus is closed to traffic from Monroe to Roosevelt and will remain closed until Monday, August 1st. And lastly, Congress Parkway, including the Congress Circle, is closed from Michigan to Columbus and will reopen Monday, August 1st. Back to you, Chief. Um, Kevin, what do you say we... Uh Shift gears for a bit. Uh, we go on a lot of this. Well, first we got we got to teach Aliani to uh, uh, pronounce T H R R R O O P like a uh, Southsider. Oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm not saying troop. <laughs> it's troop. Yeah, you're not saying it's Southsider. We call it troop. But I'm not it's, a Southsider. It's like we like <laughs> well, F troop. Remember the movie show F troop? And you can always aspire. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> plus, you, plus, you forgot about the big shooting on the Eisenhower. It just opened up as we were coming in. It was clo all closes. You had another shooting on the Eisenhower, Kevin. Just saying. I didn't see that report. Another Otherwise, day. I would have said it. <laughs> oh, I know. It stopped right on the way in. Just when I was coming in, they were talking about it. It just opened up, so it was a few hours ago. Gotcha. Um, so, Kevin, we'll start with uh, my uh, buddy, Dr. J, used to say, Chief, that's why they call them fans, because, you know, fans are short for fanatics which means they're nuts, they have no logic. That was his view of fans. And uh, I, don't, I don't get this, uh, let's put it this way, if, if, if Eliani bought tickets to see the late Pavarotti, which is hard to do now because he's, he's dead, and all, of a sudden, <laughs> and all of a sudden I walked out there, I think she'd want her money back. Mm, yes, yes, I would. Yes, you would. And, yes, uh, I would. <laughs> uh, that's because I'm skinnier than him. No, no, it's, uh, well, <laughs> the, uh, anyway, you, you want your money back. This... This this baseball gig where you buy these season tickets and they give away the team in June and you're sitting there with with God knows what for the rest of the year. I mean, if you cut your payroll in half, 
Shouldn't you send people half their money back for the tickets in a, in a real world? How is why is well, how does baseball perhaps, get to do this? But, uh, um, but I, I will say this: um, that uh, is there anybody who didn't know what the cub that the Cubs were rebuilding this year? Um, whether you bought season tickets or whether you've been a walk-up customer. Well, I'm saying, but is just, there anybody just, is there anybody who is going because they think the Cubs are going to be contenders? Okay, but if you if you take that logic to the extreme, you'd say if the Opera House got away with it before, you should have expected it. It's on you. No, I don't think I'm saying that. You're close. I'm thinking if the Opera House was telling you ahead of time. That if you buy tickets to see, pow- uh, you know, uh, pick, pick somebody else. Um, I don't know. You know I, I don't know who Tenor. Michael Bublé. Uh, <laughs> there she okay. is, Michael Bublé. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, there you go. Um, you know, but if if you buy tickets and but you know that there is a uh, a good chance uh, that it's going to be a stand-in, then uh, you know, uh, buyer beware. Now, you know, it's one thing if you're sick, but it's also. Yeah, I, I would think that if you don't deliver the product you promised, then a refund or a, uh, a reschedule is in order. But in the case of the Cubs, I don't. I think they're they're delivering exactly what they promised. Um, I I don't know. Is the year the one year that uh, when I got rid of my tickets, they had Dempster and all those guys. They had a rough start. They had some people hurt. All of a sudden, they were turning the bus around a little bit. And two days later, they had no team. And I had actually sort of enjoyed watching once a few games before, and I never went to another game afterward, and I couldn't give my tickets away. It was, it was a total disaster. I remember calling down to the board of trade floor saying, anybody need tickets? Yeah, why don't you bring them down here, and we'll, we'll put them in the pile in the middle of the floor that nobody else wants. we got a whole pile of them. I mean, I, I don't know how you do that to people. I really don't. I mean, it's one thing if you get – I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see how, you know, in, in, the, in the 60s when I used to go to the games – if all of a sudden one day you had tickets for next week and you showed up and there was no Banks, no Santa or Billy Williams, what do you got left? I mean, what, what, what's the product? Michael Bublé. Field. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is what half of the people in the world are there to see anyway, and it's a shell of its former self. Yeah. So no, I, I actually think that the dumbest thing about the Wrigley Field re- rebuild was putting the gigantic electronic scoreboard in left field and of course, every, they 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 never wanted to take out the manual scoreboard out of center field because it's too iconic. I think people would have gotten over that, and you could have put the big scoreboard out there, and then it's it's kind of a home page would have been uh, would would have looked like the old scoreboard, and and I think they they could have done that because now the the old scoreboard looks so out of place. You know, it, it's sort of like Soldier Field when they when they redid Soldier Field, and and they couldn't uh, they couldn't take down the pillars because it was a landmark, um, so they they just uh, uh, built the uh, stadium inside the stadium, and then lost landmark status for destroying the the uh, structure anyway. So you know, so now it, it it just looks dumb because you've got these old pillars and then this new stadium uh, sitting in there in between. I, you know, I, I, I think people people want to go and they like seeing the old stadium, and that's that's kind of fine. You know, uh, you know, same thing in Boston, but it isn't the old stadium anymore anyway. So I I, I don't even think they have that to sell. Well, I mean, I, I the idea that I you know I pay for the marquee channel and now I'm 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 skunked on what 
I mean, I think that you could make the case that anybody who has the marquee channel uh, clearly has ESPN. I don't, I don't think you can. I don't think there's a way you can just get the basic, basic, basic cable without ESPN, and then get the marquee. I think you got to roll it up a little bit to where ESPN's included. Plus, Fox is, is a regular station, so that's included. So the idea that you know now ten games or twenty games a year on Apple and some on this other Fox thing, I, I just or Peacock, not Fox. It's NBC. Peacock. But I mean, it's a uh, uh, you know I, I don't know where. How many times can you sell the same product? I mean, for God's sake, you know. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I I think they're out of line with that. And on top of it, I think they're stupid at a time when uh, uh, when baseball is worried about you know building its fan base. They're worried about an eroding fan base. They make it harder to watch. And you know, it's remember what I said earlier about share. You know that, that you can raise your prices, but if you raise your prices ten percent and lose ten percent of your customers, you aren't necessarily breaking even because those ten percent of the customers are going someplace else and and may not come ever come back, uh, no matter what you do. Um, market share is important too, and it's an important uh, indicator of success for businesses. Uh, and, uh, and and you know, I think baseball is just killing itself because. It, it on the one hand wants to make its uh, its product more appealing uh, to the people who don't typically watch it, and on the other hand, they're making it harder for the average fan to just watch it. Well, along those kind of same lines, but let's shift sports because we are stocks and jacks after all. Um, I was thinking last night driving home, was stuck in traffic. I'm really curious on this college. I guess it's all sports because there's a lot of. How can I put this politically correctly? There's an awful lot of hot-looking ladies at various sports and colleges that are doing modeling and stuff now that they never could do before. And I'm all for that. I mean, the idea that you couldn't do that is, was kind of crazy. But uh, Wait, wait. You're for hot-looking ladies doing modeling. I'm saying if they have another job. I mean, another, I mean Dr. J's brother, Paul, was a good-looking guy. He, his company wanted to hire him to do uh, modeling in the summer. We're not talking about, you know, in the, you know, in the, mid, in the middle of Playgirl. We're talking about flannel shirts for some place in San Francisco. Nowhere on there was it going to say he was a, a, a linebacker for uh, Cal, and they wouldn't let him do it, which I think is pretty insane. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm for people able, being able to have a regular a gig if you're if you're, But I don't see how, now from what I hear from Lou and other people, the uh, Alabama or, or those SEC, the school has taken over this kind of likeness thing. It's no longer the the offensive line Wandering down to the you know Kevin and Chief's Pizza Joint, and I was saying we'll give you free pizza on, a Friday, on a Wednesday night if we can take some pictures of you here. It's it's gone way beyond that to where the school is actually orchestrating a lot of that on, on some venue. I don't know if it's a if it's a separate corp or what it is, and people are getting paid out of the out of the mess because Lou says he knows people now that are are the senior or an agent for the senior and finding out what that deal is now at, at like Clemson and where it is at Alabama. So you're walking in with essentially part of a marketing thing that the school has now essentially or some some people associated with the school or I don't know where that goes are sort of uh, putting that together so you're showing up with with essentially a cut and I, I'm real curious Kevin and I know I started this out with fans being fanatics and some people are above the law and some aren't we're getting real close to being employees workman's camp I mean how far how far in being really uh, Notre Dame sponsored professional football team. 
that has no right, in my opinion, to any sort of tax rebates or not paying only uh, Indiana state tax in Notre Dame State. I, I think they don't deserve any of that at this point, or they're getting real close. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's a good question. At what point do they um, uh, have they do they shift away from uh, any claim that these are student athletes in an extracurricular activity? And say they are employees of the university, uh, because that's you know I mean think of all the things that you avoid there. All you know a- anything basically related to labor law uh, it goes out the window. You don't you don't have to deal with any of them. You don't have to deal with comp EEOC. I mean you name it. All of that is out. There's a whole bunch of taxes. Um, it, you know it, it's it's a big advantage to operate in that in that in the business model that they have. The the thing that 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 really kind of gets me more than anything else is because as I've always said, the NCAA was totally unprepared for this. Even though they have ten years of losses in court, loss appeal, loss appeal, loss appeal, and 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 it went up to the Supreme Court, and they're sitting there, and the decision goes against them, and they're going, "Oh, gee, uh, I don't know what to do." Uh, it's it's not like they shouldn't have thought this through, but one of the uh, one of the uh, NCAA rules that I don't believe has been repealed is that for these student athletes, they can't get extra benefits that are uh, um, that aren't available to the whole student body. So what I'm saying is, the athletic department should not be allowed to go set up its own little skunk works that does nothing but name, image, image and likeness deals for the athletes, um, because that's not available to the rest of the student body. Um, that, that you know now are there placement services are there do they have places that set up you know work and learn type of experiences internships uh, job opportunities at the university yeah so I suppose you could move it over there um, and uh, and say now it's available to the whole student body but the construct that they're using now seems to me to be in blatant violation of a standing NCAA rule well uh, let's let's back up into my bailiwick a little bit, which uh, I wish it was my bailiwick more, but alright, so somebody somewhere let's get back up to who the hell is the somebody, somebody somewhere has decided we're going to do these deals for Alabama, for Clemson, for North Carolina for Notre Dame, we're going to quote help the students out, because we don't all have their own marketing guy, although they probably already do, Uh, so we're going to go out and we're going to... What you don't want is you don't want people taking advantage of them uh... Well, you don't want uh, the one guard uh, having a hundred thousand dollar deal and the other guy having a ten thousand dollar deal because he's got a better agent. Well, you think that's bad for team morale? Uh, just a bit, just a tad, just saying. Well, I'm saying what where I'm getting to is who, who is this group? If they're they're, they're not they're not going to be a C corp owned by Notre Dame, right? They're going to be somebody. Okay, who the hell are they? And now those people at the end of the day are going to write. These people, these kids, whatever you want to call them, they're going to write Kevin O'Neill a check for ten thousand dollars a month. Okay, what is that? Is that a ten ninety nine check? Is that or is that a W two? It's probably a ten ninety nine. But really, is it a ten ninety nine? Because for those of you that don't know, a W two employee is somebody who like works for PTI. Now, if we were to bring somebody in because we want a whole new say website, and they spent three months in the office, actually, we don't care where they spent. That, that's part of the thing. We don't care where they are. At the end of three months, we just want a lot of communication. We'll make sure we go back and forth with compliance and stuff like that. We want a website that's approved by everybody and looks nice, which we actually sh- probably actually should be doing right now. Uh, but uh, if we did that, uh, 
now that person we can just give a 1099 to which means we paid them twenty thousand bucks for this or whatever and by the way they're responsible for their own taxes they're responsible for their own social security all that kind of stuff but th- but there's all kinds and luke can rattle these off but and kevin i'm going to say there's a couple of them if somebody's a 1099 employee you can't i don't think you can tell them what time they have to show up you're paying them by the project right if they start okay, to, yeah, you're paying for a deliverable. Yeah, so if you start to say you've got to be at practice and obey, you'd be a better make a, a movie session, a film session. I don't see how the hell you're not an employee of somebody if you're getting paid. Do you? I mean, and how do you not be work, covered by workman's comp? How do you not all those other kinds of things? I don't see. They, they're going down this road, Kevin, blindly. But one of these days, somebody's going to wake up, and just because it's college football or basketball, they're not going to get away with it. I don't think. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that I think that day is coming, and maybe that's going to be one of the byproducts of uh, the, all this conference realignment that's happening. Uh, this, this next round is that uh, okay? Now, you know, once once we get ourselves down to two conferences or whatever the number is going to be, uh, that now you say okay, we're going to go by our own rules for the major conferences, and the rest of those people can still have good old fashioned college football. Well, I mean. I, uh, how long ago? I and, and you know what? I'm all for an honest operation. Well, well how uh, long ago did uh, Rick Tellender write his book? For those of you who don't know Rick Tellender, he's still alive, right? 80s, 1980s. He's, he's still alive. He Late played 1980s. for he played for Northwestern. Early 90s, something like yeah. that. <laughs> I remember him. Part of the thing the way he played what he played deep back for uh, uh, Northwestern, and somehow one day they played Southern Cal, and he goes. O.J. Simpson showed up, and he goes, he was like bigger than any of our linemen. <laughs> he goes, his helmet would have been bigger than anybody's head on our team. He goes, we're trying to tackle this guy. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he was a real killer. Oh, God. And it, but, the, uh, at the end of, but at the end of the day, the back part of the book, they, he, he wrote about what, how should this actually be. And he said the current model is not going to make it. It's made it a long time. I mean, he's, but his prediction really was the schools that really want to be into this game essentially sponsor a, for lack of a better term, a pro team that's a feeder to the NFL. And all the other yeah, schools... He called it the uh, age group professional football league. Yeah. and it, and uh, But in other words, Notre Dame might actually have this huge team that they sponsor, but that you and I could actually like try out for their club team and go play Purdue's club team or something. Where there's some schools that just use the old model, and it, he said you're probably going to end up with 40 schools, which is just about where you're getting with the Big Ten, the maybe 50, that go for the new model where they're essentially sponsoring a, a, a professional team, and that's what they do. And they, they, nobody cares if they go to class, or you get six years to graduate, even though you have well, four years to play football. I, I, think, I think his proposal was that for every year you play, you, uh, you get a year of tuition. And it doesn't have to be and, the same year. And you can use it any time you want. Right. You can use it while you're playing if you want. But you can also use it at the end of, you know, if you're going to go in and try to play professional football and all that, and you're 30 years old, now you can come back and you get your degree. The scholarship is still good. And you know what? He's he's pretty close to where we're heading. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see, you know, again, we're going to see something uh, completely different. And, um, you know the the only the only reason it's just minor league football, and the reason it's so successful is it's minor league football with this you know college tie to it, and you know whether it's whether it's your alma mater or whether it is state U or what you know whatever your appeal is, um, it, you know there there is something that has an emotional tie 
much more so than say minor league baseball does. Well, but you can and you can see the states that are are I'm going to say crazed over it, uh, which would be Ohio State. Of course, that Ohio does have pro teams. Nebraska, the play that, that when that's that is that is their state's team. I mean, in, in, in Illinois, you know, we got the Bears, we got the Cubs, we got the White. I mean, in Illinois, some people, if you went there, you care about the Illini, and I've actually known enough people who went there that I care about them. But it's not. I don't go crazy whether the Illini win or lose. Do you? I mean, uh, or Northwestern. I mean, to talk about a city where there's a Big Ten school is. Does anybody in Chicago care about Northwestern? No, but where where else are there uh, um, cities or states with major sports? For some reason, Ohio pulls it off despite having Cleveland and Cincinnati. And maybe it's because those teams have been bad for a long time. But they they had their times when they were good, especially Cleveland. And you know, way back when in the old you know in the olden days, and Ohio State was still incredibly popular, uh, as is the case with. Um, Oh my my goodness! Uh, um, Michigan is the same way. Um, you know the Michigan schools have always done quite well, despite the fact that Detroit has uh, professional teams in in every sport. Uh, well, and you know Ann Arbor is not very far from uh, Detroit, so. Uh, well, Illinois or Ohio is kind of an odd state in the sense that Columbus is by far the biggest city, and it has this massive campus. I mean, up until a few years ago, Ohio State was the biggest single campus, it's not anymore, I mean Central Florida is and I think Arizona State might be but Columbus has never had a pro football team I mean, it's, it's odd that, you know, if Columbus had a pro team and people were it had had for, you know, 80 years, maybe it would be different, or if Ohio State was yeah, in Yeah, I Cincinnati. think part of it is that, uh, you know once upon a time, Columbus didn't have much of anything, it was it was just a college town um, and, and the state capital, state capital and that was it um, and it was really, uh you know, it, it was really Bank One setting up shop there that uh, um, that started to make it a uh, a big commerce center. And now, of course, it has all, all kinds of businesses. Well, they had they had uh, a lot of know, spilloffs. Corporations there and so on. But whenever you have a, you know, you're you're a rail hub and you got all the other kinds of stuff. Whenever you have a major university, I mean, my uh, cousin was there, and he and a lot of this stuff has left and been replaced by other people. They were a big aerospace center for a while. That's when he went. He went to uh, Ohio State for aerospace, and they. The, 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 for those that have, uh, you know, maybe haven't been to college or, or haven't been there for a while, every school has kind of their their uh, major where they just beat the crap out of people. But Notre Dame, it was architecture. It was like it's the only five year major. And did you ever see any of those guys? All they did was study. I mean, it was, it was study. Yep. And uh, the same thing happened to my cousin. He was an aerospace guy at Ohio State. It was a five year intensive deal. You know, in a kind of a party school. That was not a party major, and uh, and he ended up going for some aerospace place, and then uh, they left, and he did other stuff because I'm not leaving my family. He had two couple of kids by that time, and a wife was a teacher. So, but uh, yeah, Columbus has had stuff coming and going. It was a big manufacturing hub. There were a lot of Italian people lived there, more more so than anybody would think. It's, it was a big hub of uh, people that came from eastern uh, eastern Italy, because well, that's where my family's from. And uh, anyway, so Kevin, what? Uh, I'm uh, having a hard, hard time getting a parking pass for that sub- September 17th game for our guys. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Tom. I, I may be teaching on the Saturday morning, so I don't care. You guys do whatever you want before the game. Okay, I'll well, see you afterwards. Well, the, what the list on those things is 110 bucks. I bet I, I got to pay 500 to get one. What, what a disaster that is. 
Maybe I just won't go. It's, it's preposterous. It costs you more to park than it would to go to oh. the game. We well, always park right off campus for 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah it's hard to party in somebody's front lawn. Uh, SP Futures no, up 31 to SP Futures oh, up 157. it isn't. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you say, come on over. They might they may be all into it. And SP Futures up 157. Be right back, Mr. Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Lone Wolf Pack, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 31. SP Futures up 155. A lot of that has to do with Microsoft and Google, even though they both missed earnings, they most missed revenue, they most missed everything. Came out with a, a long, long line of how good things are going to be going forward. So Microsoft uh, is up 8. Uh, it was, it probably was up a little bit when the numbers came out, but Google was definitely down. It turned that bus around. So Google's up 391, trading 109.35. Russell, how are you, bud? I'm doing well. You know, it's kind of funny about the Microsoft thing is I was just checking in last evening on, you know, earnings headlines, and back-to-back there's one from CNBC that says Microsoft shares sliding on bad earnings, and then another one 
right below it from Bloomberg saying Microsoft's rallying on a good forecast. <laughs> yeah. So, I you had to just go check the quote. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so, some guys that I find uh, that kind of funny. Yeah, it's well, yeah, they they uh, well, I mean, these guys come out there and then it's it's stunning to me, you know, being in a, in a regulatory regulated industry like Rin, how some people get away with stuff and some people can't, and how how how, how blind our regulators are, how blind they want to be. You know, when the uh, this guy from well, you'd probably know the more story more than me. Who's the guy from Indiana, the former rep that is now being accused of insider trading? Oh. The guy's from uh, from the Indianapolis. Uh, he was the Indianapolis district, wasn't he? I am not familiar with it. Well, he made a hundred thousand bucks on some trade. You you walk right That's by. All? Well, yeah. Well, and so we walked. He somehow or another had access to. T-Mobile and the Sprint deal, which was what that was like a two-year deal before the thing finally everybody knew about that deal. Yeah. yeah. So so they so they they get him on that. You 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 walk right by the Capitol building, where how many senators last year were trading their own stuff like sixty. You know, and, and stuff they, they they learned there. I mean, it's God, you're so. But hey, your your buddy Scaramucci was on the other day. Scaramucci. Yeah, he, I saw that. Well, you know, I don't he know likes if you, crypto. Yeah, I don't know if you if you if you caught the two step at the end though, uh, you were never quite well. But, but you know all this stuff, even though you were never in. The, I mean, we have never been part of a. Well, maybe years ago I was part of a hedge fund, but I did some managing for one. But basically, if you if you this, this is Bernie Madoff stuff. Not that I want to be compared to Bernie Madoff, but in terms of a hedge fund, a hedge fund is really a carve out from what the thirty four act, right? Which says that you don't have to register yeah. it as as an offering. If you only deal with uh, accredited investors, and you only you have to know they're accredited before you even really talk to them. Okay, so like I could I could if I had and it's what it's over a quarter million dollars a year you make or a million dollars in liquid whatever it, the numbers keep changing. Um, you know, I, I could write them down, but everybody'd be bored. Uh, so basically, you got to be a big swing and schmo to even be approached for a hedge fund, and you got to know it in advance. And and mm-hmm. because the you're not you're not going to do an offering you're not going to have a prospectus because these people have the wherewithal to get their own attorney and check it out themselves. That's basically what what a hedge hedge fund doesn't mean you're hedged, right? It, it just means you're a carve out no, from the from the not 30, at all, no, not <laughs> at all from the thirty four act. So plus the 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 fallback position is if I get twenty of these people, if any one of them got their uh, that I didn't check out beforehand, or somehow or another. I mean, I could never go to a money show and have a, a, a you know a big spiel about a hedge fund. I mean, you could you could never do that unless somehow or another no. you could figure out that everybody in that room was you know a bazillionaire, and then all you had to do is miss one, and anybody everybody else gets to take their money out, right, Russell, or something at the original price, or some bizarre draconian penalties if you do it wrong. Well, meanwhile, your buddy Scaramucci's on the air, and he's talking about his hedge fund that. Is down in the in the, in the crap hole because it's all crypto and it's way down, and how he's yeah. re- he's redeeming all these people. So then the Scott, what's his name, Hapner or the other guys, the guy that was fighting with Dr. J a few weeks ago, he says, "Well, you, but That's you're, Wapner, Wapner, you well, you're you're uh, yeah, he's he's Judge Wapner's son, really. Go ahead, <laughs> anyway, yeah. but he, he yeah, but he goes he goes he uh, well, but you're you're raising more money, right? Like for another one. Well, well, well yeah, I am." Well, you know, so people can just contact you about that. Well, yeah, I'm sitting there going, "Wait a minute, <laughs> you you can't do that." 
but be, but because the other guy. So so if you come in here with all the all the rules I know about hedge funds and how you market them and how you're not supposed to be able to and all this other kind of stuff. With all the rules I know, if you walked in there, I could go, "Gee, Russell, aren't you aren't you poning up a hedge fund?" Well, yeah. Well, isn't this your phone number? Well, yeah. <laughs> Do they really think the world is that stupid? And are regulators really that stupid to let that go on? Um, I I know that some of the hedge fund marketing rules changed. Um, so I don't know if that if that one little comment's a violation, but. Like I know that they're allowed to subtly advertise now. It's a little. It's a little. It's opened up a little. It's opened up a little. But if I can't say, I mean, I, I I, personally, I, I feel for anybody that that steps up and and says, yeah, I want to give you money for your new hedge fund. And where I thought you were going is because you know hedge funds are two and twenty, and if you lose a lot of money, you've got to overtake that number before you get paid. Yeah. Well. So when you have a bad year, you start a new one. So that you can get paid. Well, you know, and the uh, interesting part if you if you do anything like that on the securities side, you have to let everybody uh-huh. you have to let everybody know how you did in like any kind of managed money for like the last God knows how long, at least ten years, no matter what it was. Yeah. Now on the futures side, the rules are totally different, or at least they used to be. You can only you can just you can pick and choose the ones you want to tell them. So we we could have well, it's, we could, it's two different re- it's two completely different regulators. Yeah, we could have a and grand. I know this because yeah. when I set up a fund, I did it as a CTA. Right, the rules are a lot easier. But it was nothing more than a hedge fund where I was trading nothing but financial futures. Well, and if it's a two and twenty, yeah. you, r- you run the risk that if you have, say, say the thing has ten million dollars and they make a million, mm-hmm. well, the guy gets two hundred thousand. Right, you make a million the next year, he gets two hundred thousand. Same thing the third year. Well, the fourth year he loses three hundred thousand. He keeps his six, and you're back to even, right? Yeah. The best was you remember uh, if, you left, if you if you stuck it out, and most yeah. people wouldn't even stick that out. You remember uh, the name uh, Rich Dennis way back? Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was a I mean, he got, he's got to be those guys got to be in their eighties by now. But he uh, yeah, and, right? and and I'm I I know some of the people that that. Learned under him that still run a fund that he's got an interest in. Well, he was a brilliant guy, but but the weird part was he yeah, yeah. he uh, he started a fund one summer. Was was it a uh, was it a metals fund or something like that? And he, he he thought he was going to gold was some some slice of the commodity world, and he and he started out guns ablazing and loses like forty percent in the first you know whatever a month or two. And he says screw it. He sends everybody their, their money back. Sixty uh, percent just sends them their money back, and then he he starts up a new fund. He he was funded in like two weeks. Well, Rich Dennis could never screw up twice in a row. It's like John Wayne could never fall off his horse twice in a row. He was he got a new one funded in like a month. <laughs> oh yeah, and, uh, and I think he did pretty well in the second one. I, I personally, I, personally, I've never had a spectacular failure, and maybe that's uh, why I never had a gigantic fund. I need to go out there and blow up, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if enough people would say I can't blow. They look at me and go, "Yeah, that guy could blow up twice." Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, what do you make of uh, what, what is your current? If you, if I put the microphones on and came in with a film crew to your class, I asked you the definition of a recession. Now, what would yours be? It seems like they're all over the place. Oh, I, I you have to go with the traditional thing because you want to be able to compare previous periods. So you have to go with the. Uh, 
two quarters of uh, negative growth or whatever their their MBER definition is. Um, but you know, you know, the definition of a recession is when you're. It, you, just, you know what? It's kind of like the pornography thing for an individual. I can't, you know, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. Well, if yeah. you're, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're living check to check and you're suddenly a lot more worried about check to check and you're, you know, you feel a lot less secure in your job and, I, you know, every, I, I think it's almost, there's, there's a behavioral thing that, that really defines whether we're in a recession because then everybody's behaviors start changing and it's like a downward spiral. I'm worried about what's going to happen. I'm not spending any more money because I'm worried about what's going to happen. And then the not spending any more money just just makes things worse. Well, that's what. Uh, and I think that's and I think that's where we are. You I know? think we are too. But the official definition, I would just always want to go with the official definition because if you're trying to compare history to present day, you, you don't want to. You don't want to constantly be changing that definition around. By like the way, by the way, that is changing around the, the economic numbers that we talk about every week and how they seem to get nudged in a certain direction for political purposes. Uh, by the way, that okay. definition has totally changed. By the way, the, re- the, uh, Which rec- one? the recession. It's no longer the two. Well, I uh, thought it was. I thought it was two quarters of your negative growth. That's what happens when I when I do these shows with like old guys like you and me. Just saying. Uh huh. Now, Investopedia. This is this is the new one. This is the new uh, definition. Uh, reset. This is by uh, reset, now. Get a load of this. If somebody turn this into the paper, I would hope it would be a C paper. A recession is a significant, widespread, and prolonged downturn in economic activity because recessions often last six months or more. One popular rule of thumb is that two consecutive quarters of a decline in a country's gross domestic product constitute a recession. Economists, including those of the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, which, by the way, are official recession referees, which dates U.S. business cycles, define a recession, this is the new definition, an economic contraction starting at the peak of an expansion that preceded it and ending at a low point of the ensuing downturn. Recessions typically produce declines in economic output, consumer demand, and employment. The NBER considers indicators including non-farm payrolls, industrial production, and retail sales, among others, designated the start and end of a U.S. recession, usually months after the peak and trough of the business cycle. So there. Just saying. Well, yeah, two quarters. Uh, no, well, that, 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 that's, that's your... That's, I mean, that's where the six months come from. All right, right? But, but yes, but here you are. Yeah. Now, if you were, if you're, you're, your favorite lady, Janet Yellen, last week, said there's no way on earth with a 3.6% unemployment rate that we will that we're come close to a recession. So that's the new the no deal. Now here's a guy, do you know what? Uh, you know Dean Baker, co-founder of the Center for Economic no, and Policy Research. Center for Economic and Policy Research. Uh, the NBER. Oh, I, know, see, I know that. Yeah. I I know the I know who the CEPR is. Yeah. Uh, okay. The yeah. N- now his quote is the NBER, which is the official arbiter would be laughing stocks if they said we had a recession when we're creating 400,000 jobs a month. So your definition is gone. Just saying. Well, it's the G- uh, for me, it's the GDP growth thing. I, for me, too. Yeah. S- speaking of which, the... So, but, the and, and, I can, and I can understand the desire to change the definition of a recession 
when we got a big election coming up. And, of course, they all seem to be very big elections. But this is the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, the midterm? Once again. Oh, yeah, well, they are. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm being sarcastic. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, could, I could stand to lose an ounce or two, but if I ever want to change the definition, all i got to do is go to Wisconsin State Fair. And I look skinny. Right. What could you see? What could you see at the Wisconsin State Fair? Something a lot of people, that I haven't gotten to go to in like three years. A lot of people, uh, a lot bigger than me. Oh yeah, you think that? You think that's, that? If, if everybody started shrinking, that that's a recession? Uh, no, but then I'd have to say I better start shrinking too. Just saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure. I, I think they what, <laughs> what they what, what they've what they've essentially said, uh, uh, Russell, is that in, well they've, they've Put this way, they haven't addressed the possibility that a new term of recession could be that you're in a recession but you're still working, which you and I have been talking about now for what, how many years? Hey, if all the prices raise go up and, and all of a sudden you don't get a raise, you're in a recession because your your pricing, yeah. your purchasing power is down two quarters in a row at least. So, you know, it's a uh, uh, so they have not addressed that possibility. They're still in this. If you've got a job, you're not in a recession mood, and I don't think that's the right mood for the times. Just, just no, say. and and also, uh, it's just it, unfortunately um, everything, every you know, every single thing is political now, and you know what's supposed to be quantitative is is getting nudged around for political purposes. And it's been going on. It's not like it's just something that popped up over the last couple of years. It's been going on. Um, I think you could go back at least ten years to where the timing of unexpected good numbers just seems to be kind of funky relative to um, what one political party or another would like. You know, would like to have a theme to talk about. And you know, I, I try my hardest to just stick on. Twitter with people talking about the financial markets, but every and I mute a bunch of words that that try to filter all that stuff out. But every once in a while, I see you know a, a back and forth about there there is a there are a good number of people out on Twitter that believe that we've got the strongest economy um, ever right now, uh, and really? they'll cite all kinds of statistics. Well, if you if you if you you constantly use the, norm, and, the term nominal. You and might then there are right. people say the opposite. You know. Well, the the term nominal makes a big difference, right? It does make a big difference, but but it's in the small print. It's not the small print, but it gets glossed over very quickly. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, the we had. Uh, I don't know if you heard yesterday that Allstate. It was already. I, I haven't had Allstate insurance. God, forever. We had that one. I first started driving it. I've been State Farm for God knows how many years, but I don't. I don't know if mine went up, but uh, they they give us twelve percent increase beginning of the year, and they're already doing another sixteen percent, and it's only July. So that's twenty eight percent in one year. And Chipotle was talking about how they raised all the prices, and how that's why their revenue went up. And Kimberly Clark the same way. I mean, man, if these people have pricing power, they're not. They're not. They're not stopping. I mean. Uh, how much? Speaking of which, I don't know if you know the answer to this. With all these commercials, if you if you took, well, it's, it's either drugs, or it's well, you still have some beer and so forth. But uh, if you take these insurance companies off the air, how much money are these people making? 
the progressives and the who's the, who's the guy with the birds and Liberty? Is, is there that much money in car insurance? It has to be. There's, there's a lot of money in holding on to other people's money <clears throat> and and doing something with it and making money off of it uh, and then paying some of it back. And that's what they're doing. Okay. They just say they're, they're more about accumulating, you know, assets than, you know, than necessarily... And, and they're properly weighing, weighing the risk of, um, you know of the drivers that they insure. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of money in, in using other people's money to generate money. And that's what, that's what the insurance industry does. Well, you know, there's a... If you go online, I guess I, I, like I said, I've had State Farm, and once in a while I get between the mail and all the other places, uh, you know, you change your policy there, change it to there. And every time, maybe twice, I've gone to somebody other place and are you really going to be that much cheaper than my State Farm? I've been with these guys forever, and I, I'm, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had mm-hmm. a claim in God knows how long. And uh, and they go, oh no, if that's if that's your price, don't ever leave. <laughs> you, you must be grandfathered in on something. But I don't. I mean, I just so I, I, when I go online and there's a outfit that's totally online that they claim is like the the best insurance company now. Where if you if you uh, if you crack up or if somebody runs into your car. You go out and you take a picture with your cell phone. They don't have any agents. You send them the picture, then they they give you a, a you know a list of five places to take it. You take it over and they they, they like email them a check. They, they they never see it. They never want to talk to you. They never do anything. I I never thought that insurance would get to that stage. I don't know if I'd want to do that, but you know I guess. Um, no, I'd like to. Yeah, it, it it's kind of like when when. We were talking about Bitcoin and firms that will that were offering if you put deposit your Bitcoin with them, you know they'll let you borrow U.S. dollars versus it, and you know, and and they're going to pay a high interest rate for the Bitcoin that you deposited. And we just kept saying, well, what could go wrong? Well, we're seeing that go wrong in a bunch of places. Um, if if there's some sort of natural disaster and and the online only guys have uh, it, you know too much exposure to wherever that natural disaster is. Um, they, uh, you know, what could go wrong? Well, uh, not suddenly not being able to get hold of a person to get a check for the insurance that you thought you had. That's oh, yeah. why I like that. I mean, you know, and I'm old. I want to have uh, a person that I can go talk to if there's a real problem. Well, yeah, I do too. Hey, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say which one, but I used a discount broker. For, you and I used to serve the same discount broker, actually. And, um, you know, maybe once a year I need to talk to them about some something, but I'm really glad that they do have somebody I can talk to. Well, yeah, because uh, people do well, get people I, do get in trouble. We the online brokers that you can set up, but you never have anybody you can talk to. Well, I mean, it's we actually they're really P- cheap at PTI. And, we we do know, a nice business. Bills are terrible, and the customer service is non-existent. Well, we do a nice and uh, a growing business actually, and nice business in the, mm-hmm. I, you know, IB, Interactive Brokers has a spectacular system, but you can't ever find anybody to talk to. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to find anybody to talk to. So what we do is we have we we went to those guys and we said we'll we'll white brand your system, essentially we'll use your system under our name, and they said fine, but if if ever you get stuck, if ever you're on the road somewhere or whatever, or you're 
and you got to use a, a telephone, you can call us. And when we're, we're, I don't think yeah. we're any more expensive. If we are, it's 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 minuscule. And uh, but if if you ever get stuck, you actually have a person you can talk to. And once in a while, you know, their back office doesn't answer, answer, and we do. You know, I mean, it's uh, people. I mean, they're not even paying for the extra, but they're getting the extra type of thing. And uh, hey, you know, I, I was talking to you a little bit about your your buddies at the Fed. And boy, if you listen to the financial press all day long, and I say this every day, all you hear is how aggressive they are, how aggressive they're going to be, and how they're talking this, talking that. Now, granted, we're going to get a, a, a announcement this afternoon. You know, the, the balance sheet is like the exact same number it was on March 9th. So April, May, yeah, and July. Yeah, we're not getting aggressive. The, I mean, we're, we're they're being aggressively inactive. <laughs> okay. but, the, but they are, but they are talking. I mean, maybe about that's it. what we can. I mean, it's a change in direction, so. You know, or a stop, so there's no reason that we couldn't, you know, say that being somewhat aggressive, but they haven't been aggressive, and 75 basis points is not aggressive, uh, especially a telegraph 75 basis point. So what do you think, the numbers going to be? no impact. It, it doesn't really have any kind of shock and awe value or impact when everything is completely telegraphed like it is right now. Well, what do you, what do you make of the fact that We've gone, the, the 10-year rate has gone from, uh, I'm looking at it right now, we're at 2.77, and since they talked about how aggressive they're going to be, we've gone from basically 4 down to 2.7. Now, if I just showed you those numbers, and you're an economist on the on the fourth moon of Alpha Centauri, you're going to say, it sure sounds to me like these guys are putting money in, not taking money out, doesn't it? Somebody buying bonds. And well, you know, and what? it's not the Russians. No, and it's probably not. It's probably not the Chinese. No. Oh my gosh, they've got more financial problems than you can imagine over there right now. What? Um, the, so who do you think's buying them? By the way, you you always manage to read my mind one question ahead. The second half hour, I want to talk a little bit about that because uh, all you hear is bad stuff. I have not heard one peep. We'll save this for the second half hour about dollar-denominated debt and things in in China. I mean. Uh, I, I thought oh, it's coming. Of, it's coming, but I mean, also, <laughs> what do you make of the, yeah, uh, they, they, the the people here? That I mean, all I'm hearing now is use use car debt is to the moon. I mean, what do you what do you do? I mean, I uh, and that and that that's one of those things that if you you know you, you say, when when I hear used car debt is really really high, um, which I I know it is, and used car prices have gone up a, term, a ton, so that has something to do with it as well. But if you do start to end up in some sort of financial trouble, um, that car payment's one of the, especially if you bought more cars than you should have, that car payment's one of the first things that goes by the wayside. Well, yeah, that's, and, uh, but I mean, if, if you got, if you're, if you're a two car, you know, if you've got two people that are going to work and you have two cars and, and, uh, you suddenly, you know, you're, you're worried about your, your income, et cetera. Uh, you maybe stop paying on one of those cars and you know, suck it up and leave a half hour earlier every day in carpool. But that, that's that the the car becomes a nice to have as opposed to a uh, must have when um, when you're in a lot of financial trouble. Well, and I and I lived I lived through that as a kid, where my my parents ended up having we we they had to narrow they had to make some tough choices and they narrowed down to one car. And my dad would drop my mom off at school. She was a school teacher, and you know, then she'd sit around until five, and he'd pick her up afterwards on the way home. 
Well, um, when you uh, well, we got a couple of minutes, let's start. To, uh, it's interesting because you know you know what I like when I have, when I have nothing to do at home. I go through all the stuff for stocks and jacks, and then sometimes I'll, I'll look for old trucks on there just for laughs, just to see where they're at. Well, I find this mm-hmm. uh, heavy duty 1996 Ch- Chevy Chevy pick me up up in Rochester, Minnesota, right? And they went like twelve five for it. Now, of course, it's only got like 80,000 miles. Looks like it's the guy kept it in a garage for God knows how long. Um, it looks mm-hmm. in beautiful shape, and it, it's a, it's a one ton. I mean, you know what a one ton is. Most people don't, but it's very heavy duty. Probably rides like horrible, and it's got some huge motor in it. You know, which plus I'm, I'm convinced Audrey will hate it. So that's there's there's a positive. So at least I know I think it's something else that she likes, right? But uh, anyway, so but the thing they went like twelve five for it, which you know. Five years ago, you probably could have got it for eight or seven seventy five hundred. Well, the blue book value on the thing is even if you put that mileage in, is probably seventy five hundred. All right, so mm-hmm. now walk me through the routine here. Now, if, now if I went if I went and bought it, I'd I th- I'd write a check, but uh, I'm, I don't think a whole lot of people are, are capable of doing that. Um, but a lot of people who listen to this show are. But I'm just saying, in general, people are gonna are, are gonna finance it. So now, if I go to finance this thing, and the Kelly Blue Book is say eight, I think they're probably still going to give me the loan for twelve five. <coughs> My first question is why, uh, and secondly, man, I'm just going through my pitfalls of buying this thing, even because the inflation has run this thing up, and I know it's probably worth that now, quote worth, uh, but still, <coughs> it's above. Now, my insurance company, State Farm, even though they've always been nice to me. If if I if I bang the thing into a tree on the way home, <clears throat> they're only going to give me eight, not twelve, right? Uh, most likely, yes. And if all of a sudden something because that, that's the replacement value in the book. Yeah, or if something happens, uh, you know, the, the, if the if, if the bank has to something, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, an asteroid lands on my head, filling up gas on the way back, and the bank has to auction it off, they're only going to get six, right? So. I mean, even though it's not that much money, I'm going through the math and I'm going, how can I pay twelve five for something that the whole rest of the world is charting at eight? Now I know. Wait, let's talk about this more. For SP futures up thirty two, Nasdaq futures up one sixty. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. 
It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Eliani on the board. Russell Rhodes with us. SP Peters up 34. We've been stuck there all morning. Pretty positive. Uh, don't really any real thought of a shrinkage here. We said uh, durable goods orders came out positive 1.9 versus uh, supposedly down 0.4. But then you got to go through the different ones. But still, that's a, a pretty good number. I don't know how. I'm not so sure. That's Russell. And I, we're done with this. Is whether that is it has a deflator on it. I don't think it does. But uh, anyway, they're up 1.9%. Dow 163 again. Individual stocks that are moving. We've got uh, Microsoft is up 895. Uh, again, their revenues and and uh, stuff. Of course, they beat didn't beat versus whoever does the estimates. But both they and Google's uh, chairman came out and said things look pretty good going forward. So both those stocks are up. Over in Asia, well, just a re- way of review. Yesterday we had a down day. Dow was down 228. S&P down 45. Nasdaq down 220. So we're essentially Picking back up almost two thirds of that, so that would that be a Fibonacci uh, replace or retracement? We'll ask we'll ask Russell when we get back. Well, Asia, Nikkei uh, up 60.2 percent, Shanghai down one. Call that flat. Hang Seng back and forth, back and forth between 20,000 and 21. Last night down 235, 1.1 percent. Over Europe, we were uh, moderate to the upside, but upside across the board. Dex up 69.5 uh, percent. FTSE up 46.6%, CAC around up 29.5%. Uh, bonds up one basis point, two points, I say 2.8. Uh, Bund positive two basis points, 0.95. Japan unchanged at 0.20. Oil up a 94 cents, but still 95.92, way below that 100 number. Brent up 93 cents, 105.33. Natural gas 19, down 19 cents, but still 8.80 after the huge push up yesterday and the day before with uh, uh, the Russians threatening to shut off even more of the pipeline to Europe. Uh, Arbab up three cents, three thirty-nine. We got gold up three dollars. Wow, somebody's actually buying some gold. Seventeen twenty. 
Silver up 18 cents, 1872. Copper up a penny, 340. We've got Bitcoin. Now it's up, 406, 21,308. So staying above that 21,000 number, at least for now. And we have the U.S. dollar. We've got the euro, the euro dollar is 1.014. So the euro dollar is actually up, which makes the dollar down a little bit today, but not, not huge. The euro dollar is managing to hang above the, the dollar number. I broke it for maybe a couple of seconds a week ago Monday, but now it's been above the dollar ever since. Eliani, what, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on July 27th. Let's start with last night's game. Cubs beat the Pirates last night 4-2. Sox beat the Rockies 2-1 with a rematch today at 2-10. And the Diamondbacks beat the Giants last night 7-3 with a game today at 2-40. Looking at weather in Chicago this morning, I'm going to refresh my page here. Uh, we have mostly cloudy skies today, 71, pretty high humidity. We are expecting rain around 2 o'clock, so be mindful of that. Currently sitting at 71 degrees with a high of 87 and a low of 71. Looking at weather in Phoenix this morning, there is an uh, aerial flood watch that will be in effect till tomorrow evening. Currently sitting at 85, cloudy skies with a high of 96, low of 82. Uh, we have absolute mayhem on the roads this morning, so I'm going to get into that. Uh, we have traffic eastbound on 290 between Highway 45 to downtown, approaching the 290 I 94 construction intersect. We have traffic to, uh, westbound on 290 between Costner and 17th with an accident at 17th, closing uh, with a left lane closure. We have traffic northbound on 294 between the I 20 connector and the ramp that goes onto the Stevenson. We have traffic eastbound on I-90 between the 294 Tri-State Ramp and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Cumberland. We have traffic eastbound on I-94 between Tui and Canalport and westbound uh, between 59th and West North Avenue. We got traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 and Lakeshore Drive. Intermittent traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 110th and East A's and between the 55 Stevenson Ramp and East Grand, southbound on Lakeshore between Michigan and East 18th, and between East 57th and East 93rd. A couple of road closures to talk about on Lakeshore. We have two different events happening. This week in Lollapalooza uh, will be happening from July 28th through July 31st in Grand Park. In preparation, Balboa is closed from Columbus to Lakeshore Drive and will reopen on Thursday, August 4th. Jackson is also closed from Columbus to Lakeshore Drive and will reopen on Wednesday, August 3rd. We can expect additional closures on Balboa from Lakeshore Drive to Michigan Avenue. Balboa from Michigan to Columbus will reopen Monday, August 1st. Jackson from Michigan to Columbus will remain closed until Monday, August 1st. Columbus is closed to traffic from Monroe to Roosevelt and will remain closed until Monday, August 1st. And lastly, Congress Parkway, including the Congress Circle, is closed from Michigan to Columbus and will reopen Monday, August 1st. On the south side, we have the annual Kermisi bike race uh, with road closures on 89th between South Mackinac and Lakeshore. Closures on Lakeshore between 89th and East 79th. And finally, it closures South Mackinac between 89th and 87th. Whew, back to you, Chief. What the hell? Hey, how come when, uh, when Russell and I were reading the headliners at uh, Lollapalooza, we didn't see uh, Eliani on there? <laughs> I'm not quite that big yet. <laughs> Next year? Who knows? The, uh, so, Russell, sometimes I know that uh, you, you guys that have this worldwide economic view uh, look at a guy like me and you go, where did this guy learn his economics? But I always try and, since I'm always the guy on the, on the bottom end of the boot, it seems, I always try to work my way up. And I, even a little transaction with this this truck, which I'm probably not going to buy because how am I going to have to Rochester, Minnesota? But uh, the idea is, I mean, how you work your way through it and you try and act as a most traders, as certainly a market maker, you say, well, what can go wrong? I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm insurance. I'm insurance yeah. something for eight that I just paid thirteen for with tax. Well, that, well, that's a problem. I mean, it could be. Uh, by the way, if I took a loan, I'm, I'm under. Uh, there's no way I can turn around and puke this thing out for thirteen. I doubt. So I mean the the, but I you know and you look and you say how many places are like that and you see the used car market they're saying what seventeen percent now are non-performing. Uh, I look at the mortgage in the housing market and we had Adrienne on on um, Monday and Nancy on last week and she does the mortgage stuff and, and Audrey and Nancy fortunately uh, although Nancy does everything uh, you know the the people that Odd sells houses to are. Either a young couple, they've both been working and saving for a while, they put a big down payment down, and all those kinds of things. And even if you think, you know, the price might be a little inflated, so what? You know, at 3% three, at 3 on the mortgage, which they were, uh, they're probably going to live there and have kids and grandkids and live happily ever after. And it, it's, yet you look at this median number, and now it's up to 416 last month. I don't know if you spotted that or not. Yet you get this feeling that somebody, Somewhere there's a risk there, just like on this truck I'm talking about. That if somebody buys that thing, maybe maybe a minimum down payment, maybe not, maybe a full down payment, and all of a sudden they work for the Snapchat and all the places Kevin's talking about are starting to lay people off, and now you get laid off. And by the way, another firm wants you in Kansas City. And now you just bought this house at three percent, and by the way, the, the mortgages are now say five and a half. They're down a little bit. Are you going to be able to get the same price you paid six months ago? And I think there's, I think there's a problem there, Russell. Or it's going to be pretty soon. I mean, you always have to look at what kind oh, of. There's already, there's already a problem there. Um, Redfin, which is one of those realtor websites, I'm sure you're familiar with. Yep. Um, they, uh, I think it was like 15 percent of listings recently had dropped their price, and it was, and it was a number that was comparable to. Uh, what you saw in 2008, just before the financial crisis kicked in. So I, I know that's a problem. Well, yeah, it's but it's not necessarily a problem for for a guy like me because I rent in Indiana, so now I'm looking around to maybe buy something on the down low. Well, right, yeah. So that's and that's why I'm paying attention to it because I figure if, if we really do have a slowdown, that I'm probably going to be able to. Uh, replace renting with something that costs me less per month that I have a little bit more responsibility for, but still. Well, that's what uh, Nancy was talking about two weeks ago. She goes, I can put people in a house now cheaper than they can rent. The rent, the rents have gone up so much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and everything's fine. If, is, you know, the, whole, the whole key with, with, with houses, obviously, because it's, it's everybody's biggest investment, if you keep your job, mm-hmm. if your wife keeps her job, and you don't have to. You don't get transferred, and, and nobody gets sick. If you if you if you can pay for the thing going in, unless something bad happens to you in five years from now, it should be less of a draw on your salary, and things should get better all along the way, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's that that's the American dream. I mean, uh, I mean, there's no question about that. But you know what can happen? Look what it did. I, mean, I think one of the biggest reasons why it took us so long to come out of the 2008 fiasco. Is people couldn't go anywhere else to find a job because they, if they did, they they take a huge hit on their house. They couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, no. I, I mean, it was a combination of a whole bunch of things at once. That, and I think there's a combination of, of things that will hit people unfortunately once again. Uh, and 
you know, it's not, I, I know that there have been new jobs created, et cetera, but there have been a lot of people that I think were absolutely shocked that they lost their job. Well, yeah. You know, you can't tell. I, I just say, and I'm thinking of the Snapchat thing. I mean, I don't know, you know, what it was like being there leading up to uh, job cuts. I mean, I've, I've been in a public company where everybody knew they were coming. Um because we could see our daily volume from day to day, but I, I, you know, and the the people who have had their job offers rescinded, which I just think is, I couldn't even imagine coming out of college and having a job offer rescinded. Uh, but there's a lot, lot of that going on as well. Oh, these people are merciless and with that. They don't I, seem I really, I wonder when that catches up with the numbers. Yeah, so yeah. Is our next big shoe to drop going to be a? Uh, but I, I don't. Tr- I've never trusted the non-farm payroll number. Ever, uh, no. I think that because it, it's they're they're and, and part of it's because of methodology where they're trying to, you know, on the first Friday of a month they're trying, you know, next Friday they're going to try to give us an idea of, of what really happened nationally with respect to, to a change in unemployment and everything else. Um, that preliminary, the first time they report that monthly number, um, I, I if it's an outlier, you just know it's going to get revised back to something that. Was closer to what's expected a month. Well, now, when you, do you uh, listen in on, so on, on Friday? Maybe it doesn't. Show, well, and my point is, maybe it doesn't show up in the numbers as quickly as it should. Well, do you do you uh, either do this on your own? Because I, I don't, I don't dig in the numbers that far. Because that's what I have Carl for. Uh, he always talks about the uh, unadjusted versus the adjusted. And for the life of me, mm-hmm. there, there was a big positive adjustment in June to the numbers, and I. You know, it, it, let's put it this way: if, if back in our day, and it still happens to a certain extent, um, you have a huge bunch of push uh, in December for Christmas hiring. At least you used to the Macy's, all those people. Yeah, in the world. that's the one that. I'm, yeah, that's so that, the one I agree with. Well, there's an adjustment there to the point where, if a quarter million people weren't hired, you showed people got fired, right? Because that's the normal number. But yeah. I could not figure out when Carl was telling me this. A couple of weeks ago, Friday, and we'll go through it again—not this Friday, but next Friday. Uh, I couldn't figure out why there was such a positive adjustment in June. The the entire number was an adjustment because he went through the the unadjusted number. The unadjusted number was like down or flat. Well, it's it's seasonal summertime jobs. But I'm saying when you when yeah, lifeguard, all that kind of crap. That's what I that that's always been my impression of. Uh, June is that there's this transition to people that you know, go to school or whatever that work during the summer. Well, well that's my point. If, if you people graduate and get a job, people doing lifeguards, even though they're not open half the pools these days, but you, all those summer jobs, which maybe kids don't do as much as when we were youths, but still, I don't, I don't understand why the, the adjustment from May to June would be positive. I think it would be negative. You want, if there's 200,000 yeah, people that, get a but, but the, the number is the, the adjustment is positive for some reason, and I can't, to this day over the three weeks I've been thinking about it, I don't know I don't know why it would be, but uh, but the, it, you know you and I um, on a year over year basis could it be that last summer in the last two summers maybe we didn't have the normal seasonality so it's an adjustment back it could be I don't mean or you know, it, could it have something to do with the pandemic. Well, I mean, yeah, you didn't look at the house. That would be my. That would be the first place that I would go look. Yeah, the household numbers didn't even show any. 
Also, numbers didn't even show any any raise. But I mean, you and I are sitting here, and, and we're, we're we're talking about stuff we hope really does not happen. But obviously, the risks are becoming very obvious to both of us because both of us have been investors uh-huh. for ourselves and other people for like a really long time. And it's my it's my job if somebody goes. Hey, how about putting all my money in Sidewash or something? And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you, did you know Sidewash? The, the CEO just was 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 uh, was uh, arrested for embezzling yesterday morning. Ah, oh, yeah, so you don't like Sidewash? It's not whether I like it or don't like it. It's my job to to give you both sides of the story. You know, it still may be a great buy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to write it. But you and I are just sitting there going, if things turn, all this stuff can compound very very rapidly. And when you ignore yeah. it, when you ignore it from a, a policy standpoint, and maybe even make it worse by pouring money into the system, don't even know where the hell you're at. And you ignore it; these guys are all shot. But but the story is, we we should be talking about on the air, sports and good stuff and investments. They should be sitting around because we're paying them to do just what we're doing. At least in my mind, we are. All right, how bad could this be? What do we got to do? I don't know what they're doing. It. Yeah. I mean, that's my bitch on the whole um, thing. I don't think they're thinking about it like that. But isn't that... Or if they are, they're thinking about how bad could it be, how are we going to spend this to make it look like it's not bad? Well, right now it looks to me like it could get real bad, and I really don't want to go through that again. How many times have I gone through it in my lifetime? Three or four? I don't want to see yeah. people I know get laid off and stuff. I mean, I just... I don't, I don't, but, but how Right now, you and I feel that these guys are down... Down a trail would maybe not an exit. If somebody popped us into the policy making thing, what would we do tomorrow? What would you do? Um, I would from- be more aggressive, which is real easy to say because I don't get the repercussions of that. But I, you know, and, and it's an awful thing to do as well because you're screwing with people's individual lives. But you know, it, it, it's I hate to use them military analogy but you know sometimes you gotta you know have ever have uh, you know a small group of troops that everybody's distracted by so the bigger group of troops can sneak in and do the job and kind of along the same line you're going to have people that are going to get hurt but you know, i think that that's a short-term six to nine month pain is better than everything becoming unaffordable and you having a job but you work in a job that you know just gets you less and less from year to year which is what what working a kind of working a regular job like most people used to do you know 70 80 years ago where you go work for a company and get a nice nice raise every year you put a lot of money away into retirement you get your week or two off every year um and you felt somewhat secure uh, you don't have that part anymore, and you know through the and unfortunately that's just something that'll if if we really bite the bullet, you know the the Fed does all the things that it should to get inflation under control and get us back to some sort of normalcy instead of a propped up economy for a decade, then you know I think long term everybody benefits from something like that. Um, Russell, I, uh, uh, there's there's some there's some short term pain. That you know the, the the party in charge sure doesn't want that short term pain going on when they're president. Um, you almost need a guy that's going to run that says, you know, I'm going to run. I'm only going to be president for four years, and we're going to get everything back in order. 
What when, and, you, when you say in you know, order? It's, it's, I, I, not, and, and you know he's he's lame duck. He or she is lame duck for the four years, and they do the things that need to be done. Um, and of course, Congress will fight them left and right because they want to get reelected, and we'll probably end up in the same spot that we were in four years before. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to make very difficult choices, and nobody's making a hard choice. Well, in, so in, uh, kind of, in, in the political in, world, things just don't get better on their own. But now, in, in, in Russell's you know? common sense, uh, professorial mind, you would say, "Okay, if you declare I'm a lame duck, let's just get this stuff done, and then, and I'm out of here. You don't have me to kick around anymore." Sort of like Nixon. Uh, but in in, in yeah. their world, in the political world, you just you just declared yourself basically a eunuch, and nobody's going to pay attention to you. For yeah, time. I know. And it's it's a whole different. World, their common sense is different than your and my common sense. But I, do you have anybody th- that you know is working? I, w- I would love if I could, you know, hold the world steady for a minute and write like five research papers. Or actually, if I had, if I was a professor, I could have my peeps do all the work. Uh, what are the long-term repercussions, behavioral and otherwise, and I really do mean behavioral, of having uh, interest rates where the savers made no money? for like 12 years now, maybe 14 years versus, I mean, I, when you say back to normal, I, I think my world of normal is if I've got money and you got money, I'm tired of giving it to people for free. I mean, in, in banks and so forth. Yeah. I mean, why should... why should well, that, that, That's part of a normal is you should be able to, you really should be able to put money into a certificate of deposit or a savings account and make more than inflation. Right. Well, I, and now the fact not lo- and not lose purchasing power, well, my, and it, that in and using official figures, that's been the case. But you and I know that has not been the case. Right. Well, to, to, to continue you know, on, let, let's say I, I got a kid in the room next to me who uh, turned sixteen in two weeks. Um, if I had started, no, if I had started saving to buy her a car when she was born and I based it on yeah, and, and I knew what CPI was going to be when she was born and I knew what kind of car she wanted and I just applied you know CPI to that and, you know, and, and came up with what I thought that car would cost when she turned 16 I know for a fact that it would be about $20,000 less based on that methodology Do you, uh... than it's going to be Funny you should mention that, Professor. I uh, mm-hmm. somehow the date mm-hmm. nineteen ninety seven came up because I was doing stuff with hospital costs that I'm gonna dig into with Carl tomorrow. If you had a dollar in nineteen ninety seven, now we're we're uh-huh. twenty five years later, what do you think that the uh that dollar under the CPI what would the, what would it be worth today? Or what would what would you need today to equal that dollar? What would it get diminished to? Yeah. What's the first um, maybe according to CPI, maybe a third? No, it's a dollar eighty six. It's twenty five years. A dollar, okay. So it's it's they're okay. saying uh, total. I thought you were saying what what a dollar back then, you know, what it diminished to. No, I'm, doing, doing I'm, doing, I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm going the other I way. I would the way the way that you just said it, I would have said about a buck fifty. Okay, it's a, it's a dollar eighty two or something. So I'm going to say that yeah. the car. That you were saving up in '97 prices, is it? it it's way over twice as expensive. Not even close. It's probably oh, yeah. three times. Yeah, it's about, it's about a triple. 
But I guess my, my question for it's, you on this whole mess it's, regarding... It's almost the same car that I bought myself in the late 90s. That's why I know it. Okay. So, so you bought a Cadillac for yourself in the late 90s? I bought it. It's a Jeep. She's oh. going to be a Jeep girl. Oh, God. Good for her. Um, yeah. Anyway, the, uh, uh, the, the Fed, I think, made a... a a tremendous, well, I don't think it was an error. I think they did it on purpose, uh, Russell. And this kind of dovetails in, little, dovetails in with a lot of what Al's talking about. I actually did a study maybe two years ago that in the 10 years we've had virtually zero interest rates in the banks. And the Fed has had, you know, kind of a, a fund, Fed's fund rate under a buck. Uh, the, the credit card interest actually went up. So the Fed has done nothing. If, if lower interest rates help the economy, they sure don't help it if asset prices go up and half the people can't borrow at the new rate. Now, my question is, if, if the Fed runs these interest rates, say, back up to where they ought to be, where the, you know, say the 10 years, 5% or something, are the banks still going to be paying us scatta, as they say in, uh, in, in Italian? Nothing? Or are we going to lease Are we going um, to force the, the banking system now, which is such a cartel, it's scary, at least on the upper level, are, are we going to be able to get any... We, we didn't get any of the benefit when we went down. The credit card rates were still 24. Are we going to get some of the benefit on the way up? Would my empire be able to walk in and get 4% in the bank? Oh, gosh, no. You know that. Well, so how is it this policy isn't affecting 80% of the population? So we, can't, we constantly keep favoring the same 10, which is what Hal's talking about. That's why these prices are going up. That's why people are gagging. I mean, we, we need it. It's not just the policy; it's it's the follow through on it. The Fed doesn't care if your credit card mm-hmm. rates didn't go down. When 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 I mean, and, and if you and I can't go into if we walk into the bank and say we want to build an extra we want an extra plumbing truck, maybe if we're big enough, they're going to say we'll do that for eight percent. Oh, by the way, you got to sign over your house, or maybe they'll say, hey, you got room on your credit card, use that at twenty four. They might just say that, right? Yeah. Well, no, we're not going to. There's no way that um, if the economy starts slowing and they've got to start cutting rates, when when the economy slows and they have the ability to cut rates, that that's going to feed through to uh, to our credit card. Well, when when are you going to be able to get rates? You know that. Well, IB just went to one and a half percent where they're paying on cash balances, which is an outlier in the industry. That they're paying one and a half percent. Yeah, no, they're better. They're better than yeah. But but still, I mean, really. You'd think you'd get more than that. I mean, anyway, the uh, I just I mean, what would you? What would the first thing you would do? I mean, I would I would move the rates up, like you said. Uh, I might do it all at once, though. I might get to I might get to three and a half by by November, by actually by by two months, and just say, here we are, we're staying here. I think, um, yeah, I think I would make a comment if if I were cracking the statement. Um, you know, I, I maybe shoot for a higher number this time and and say something like um, we're going to become near-term aggressive uh, and expect rates to top out, you know, in November, December, something like that. Uh, so people start to look for maybe start to look beyond 2022 as a washout year and things may start to get better in 2023. Yeah, I mean, because a 10-year rate, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, a 10-year rate under 3% is not exactly a contractionary. No, no. So where are you? Uh, are you still here or are you in Indianapolis? I am here, but 
Um, I will be, uh, as soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to the airport and I'm going to Alaska. Hey, good for you. What are you going to do? Explore, we're, fish? We're doing a Nat Geo trip where we're uh, starting in Juneau and going down to a place called Sitka uh, over a few days where we... Good for you. Are you sail a little bit, disembark, do cool stuff, sail a little bit, disembark. Are you, are, cool how, how are you traveling? By, by Look train, for whales. Train, ship, ship? It, this will be a it will be a plane voyage and then by ship. Well, that'd be cool. I think I need to to go like Joe versus the volcano and buy some really cool trunks. Oh God! Well, this I think that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, stay away. Stay, if you see any, yeah, any, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's 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 a place I've never been, and yeah, I'm, I'm trying. To, this is the summer of bucket lists before they make us stay in the house again all next summer. We're going to get grounded again. You know it's coming. If you see some big white thing that looks like a bear, stay away from him. Okay, I'll, I'll most definitely not um, not go up and try to pet the giant white bear. <laughs> you back next week or no? Uh, no, you're going to have to find a replacement. You're okay. giving me to uh, my little note I'm getting ready to send you. All right, bud. Well, have a nice time. Be careful. Hey, fly safe. Be, you know what? I, I, I'll be... I won't have... I'm going to be completely off the grid. Ah! So we'll see how that goes. All right. SP Futures up 37. Yeah. NASDAQ Futures up 185. Thanks, Eliani. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 708- 349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.